9. John chapter 9. I'm just going to go ahead and give you full disclosure. This is uh, one of the very first messages that I preached. Um, and I've preached it several times. Uh, since the first time that the Lord gave it to me. And there's a few of you in here that's heard it, but the majority of you have it. I've never preached it here. And uh, as we were studying yesterday, it just seemed like I couldn't, couldn't get nowhere. Just couldn't get to... Uh, where the Lord would have us to go, just couldn't find the right place. And then late last night, about midnight, we just went to bed. And uh, I feel like this is where the Lord would have us to go. This, um, this message, those of you that's heard it, this is uh, kind of my testimony. Um, this is the, actually the Lord gave me a dream, and it was not a coincidence that Butch was talking about him waking up in the middle of the night because it goes right along with my message. Um, but the Lord dealt with my heart in the middle of the night and it's just one of them times that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was God. That it was God. That there was no way that it was anything other than God that put everything together. And uh, He put this on my heart. Uh, John chapter 9, if you found your place. Uh, Dylan, will you stand and pray for us please? Help us God. Amen. Amen. John chapter 9 verse 1. We'll be in two or three different places this morning. I'll try not to make you turn a whole lot. but John chapter 9 verse 1 says, And, Jesus, and as Jesus passed by, He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And His disciples asked Him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay." And said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went this he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. The neighbors therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes open? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and received my sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. Uh, this this passage of Scripture and every passage of Scripture that's in the Bible, and we've mentioned this lately as well, but it's all uh, should it has to be spiritually interpreted. This is a physical incident, uh, uh, a physical time 
When this blind man, he was literally a man that was born without vision. There is no doubt that this was a blind man and from the time that he was born, the day that he was born, he was born blind. But if we look at this through spiritual eyes, we know that before we're born again, we are born blind. We're born without a spiritual vision. Until you get born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says. I can't even understand what it is to be a Christian or to be saved or to have the Holy Ghost dwelling in me. I don't understand that until I get born again. You know, if you're a lost man or woman and you've been caught up in sin and your life is just a miserable life, it's not because you're a bad person. It's not because of who you are. It's because you was born a sinner and you was born a blind man, spiritually speaking. You don't know or understand what it is to be born again and have the Holy Spirit of God to open up your eye of your heart or your spiritual mind and uh, th- th- this message and this blind man I, I, I look at this blind man here and it says in verse number 3 that, or verse number 2 it said and his disciples asked him saying Master who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind you know as a, a lost man or woman in the day that we live in we'll sometimes wonder why we are in the place that we're in or why that we're in the situation that we're in and we'll think that maybe it's because of something we've done or maybe something in our past has made us to have to go down the path that we're on or the troubles or the struggle that we're in but the Lord said here that this man was born blind because the works of God was to be made manifest in him. The Lord wanted to prove who he was through this blind man and I believe this morning that the Lord wants to prove who he is through you. If you're spiritually blind you've never been born again the Lord wants to save you and open up your eyes you know this young man he had never seen before so when he got his vision uh, just imagine if you was a blind man physically speaking and you had never seen the trees you'd never seen the sky you'd never seen the sun you'd never seen the worshipers of God uplifting their hands if you had physically never seen these things when your eyes was open it would be a miraculous thing to you what the Lord had done for you and can I say that it's exactly the same uh, amount of miraculousness when the Lord opens your spiritual eyes and you begin to understand what it is to be set free from your sin the Bible says that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ his son and when the Lord saves you you're no longer bound by sin you're no longer blinded by the God of this world which is the devil when your eyes are open you get to see a brand new world and you get to have a brand new life because of what Jesus Christ done for you on Calvary's cross it's the best thing that ever happened to me April 9th 1997 riding in a white Mazda pickup truck right down here on 89 the Lord spoke to my heart and I cried out to God and he saved my soul and I've never been the same since I ain't always walked for the Lord but I've never been the same my life changed and his laws was wrote in my heart and on my mind and I knew right from wrong and I knew what it was to be a Christian I knew the goodness of God from that point forward before you get saved you don't understand the goodness of God before you get saved you don't understand what it is to love you know there's millions of people around the world that think that they love their children they think that they have a love for their children but if they're lost and they've never been saved they've never known their first 
love, which is Jesus. The first love, he, he showed us His love by dying on the cross for us. He didn't have to do that. And until you get to know Him and have a personal relationship with Him, you can never understand love. Your eyes haven't been opened. Your eyes are blinded by the God of this world. I'll just read that verse. I got it marked. Second <clears throat> Corinthians four four says, "In whom the God of this world—that's Satan—in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God." should shine unto them. I believe this morning that that's what the Lord is trying to do. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We've been on that for a month now. But I believe that through the Word of God and through the preached Word of God, that's how that light shines into your soul. And that's how that you can be born again and how that you can see, spiritually speaking, for the first time. But I like what happens here in verse number 7. It says, and say, uh, let's see, in Let's read 6. When he had thus spoken, he spit on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. You know, when Jesus sped on the ground and he made clay with the, the spit and the dirt that was on the ground and he touched his eyes with that clay, that was enough to save this man. That was enough to bring this man's vision to him. It was enough to open his eyes till he could see, but that ain't all that it took. It was enough. It was the power of God that opened this blind man's eyes up. And that's the only credit that can be accredited was that God done this thing. Jesus, God made manifest in the flesh, is the one that opened this blind man's eyes. But we see here that he told him to go. He gave him a command. He sent him. It says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. I believe that this man in this instance was repented. I believe that he repented. He followed what the Lord said to do. And in order for our eyes to be opened, we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow the Lord. In order for you to get born again, you've got to make up your mind that you're going to serve God, that you're going to go in the ways of God. I'm incapable of doing it on my own, but if I'll go in the way that He tells me to go, and I'll decide I'm going to go to church, and I'll decide I'm going to read this Bible, and I'll decide I'm going to pray and I'll make up my mind I'm going to serve God because I love Him and I want to be born again. If I listen to the call of God on my life, He'll open my eyes and He'll change my life forever. This man here, if he had not went to the pool of Siloam, his eyes would not have been opened. If he had sat by the wayside, if he had said, well, I can't see to get down there on my own, or if he said that I'm not capable of getting down there, I'm I drowned. I might not be able to, to get to the water without falling in and drowning. And he just hadn't went. He never would have been able to see. That's the same thing with us uh, when we get born again. You know, there's many that say, well, I can't live it. I can't live it. I can't live sin free. Neither can I. 
I can't live sin free. I've tried it and it's impossible. I do my dead level best to follow the Lord and be Christ-like and try to serve God with all of my ability. But within myself, I am unable to live a perfect life. If any Christians ever told you that they're perfect, they're a liar. They're only washed in the blood and made righteous by the righteousness of Jesus. That's why I need Jesus. It's because I can't live close enough to God to get to heaven. It takes the Lord. It takes the grace of Almighty God to save us. And if we've never been born again, we can't go to heaven. That's sad. That's scary. It's an awful thing. But if we are spiritually blind and we've never been saved, we cannot go to heaven. But if the Lord is knocking on your heart and He's saying, go to the pool of Siloam, or He's saying, go to the altar and pray, or He's saying, go my way, continue in the way that I'm telling you to go, if you'll listen to the Lord, He will save you and He will change your life. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes, a lot of times it's a struggle. And it seems the more I do for God, the harder the struggle gets. But I wouldn't trade being a Christian for nothing. Honestly, if y'all heard some of the stuff I've told my wife this week, I've said, I just, I'm just ready to quit. It'd be so much easier if we didn't have to do this. I've told my wife those very things this week. But that's a lie. That's a lie from the devil. That's just me speaking. I'm not telling the truth because I've been lost and I've been backslid and I've been without the Lord and I've been with my eyes blinded and there is nothing easy about living the life of a transgressor. Living the life of a sinner. It's the hardest life you can live. I wouldn't trade nothing for being a child of God. Sometimes the valleys are tough. Sometimes the work is hard. But I'd rather live for the Lord than anything I know. I'd rather have the assurance that I've got this morning that if I died I'm going to heaven than anything I know it's the best thing that's ever happened to me and said unto him go wash in the pool of Siloam which is by interpretation sent he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing I like this here the neighbors therefore And they which beforehand had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore they said unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes, And said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. So this man that had been born blind, he had always been blind. Everybody in the community probably knew this blind man. If you live uh, around Mount Airy or maybe you live around Galax, I know there used to be a couple in both places, a couple of blind men. There was a blind man that used to walk around Galax a lot that I remember. Everybody in the community knew that man. When they seen him walking down the side of the road with his stick or whatever he had trying to get around, everybody knew, oh, that's the blind man. That's the blind man. And they would try to help him and things. But everybody in the community would know this man if he was blind. And that's the same way that it was for me as it was for him. When this blind man's eyes was open, he was still 
looked like the same man. He still walked the same. He, his mouth probably wasn't the same. But when this blind man's eyes was open, there was something different about him. And everybody wasn't really sure if it was him or not. It said, The neighbors therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am I. I am he. The Lord made a change, a miraculous change in this man's life that nobody else could have made. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the only way that this could be that same man is if God had touched him. That's the same thing they said about me when I got my heart right with God. They said, is that that same TJ? Is that that same one that used to party with us? Is that the same one used to smoke dope with us? And some of them said, well, it looks like him. Well, he kind of acts like him. Well, can I say that I am he? But the Lord God of heaven has opened my eyes and it worked a miracle in my life. And I'm not the same man that I one time was. The power of God has changed my life forever. Amen. Amen. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes open? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and washed. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. So basically all he said was, I don't really know how he done it. I don't know where he's at. I don't know how that he worked this miracle in my life. But all I know is that Jesus passed by my way one day and he spoke to my heart and he told me to go and I went. And when I did, he changed my life. I can't explain it. I don't know how he done it, but he changed who I am and now I can see. I can see how beautiful things are. Now I've got a new vision, a new outlook on life because the Lord touched my eyes. The Lord touched me and made me a brand new man. Amen. Let's turn to Mark chapter 8. This blind man here, he was blind from his birth. We're going to read about another blind man here in Mark chapter 8. And this blind man is like me too. Mark chapter 8 verse 22. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. We'll just read through it here. And he cometh to Bethsaida. Talking about Jesus. And he cometh to Bethsaida. And they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands on them again and his, again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored. Let's all say that. Restored. Restored. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. So this blind man, he was different than that first blind man. The first blind man, it said that he was blind from his birth. 
He was blind from the day that he was born. It wasn't nothing he had done. The disciples asked if it was because of his sin or his parents' sin that he was blind. And the Lord said that it was just so that uh, the works of God could be made manifest in him. So that the miracle of God could take place was the reason that he was blind. But here we read about another blind man and it says that uh, his vision was restored. In order for something to be restored, you had to have it to start with and then lose it. You had to have it to start with and now you don't got it. So this is another physical story of a spiritual incident. This man here, he had his vision, but then he lost it. Somewhere along the lines of life, he ended up losing his vision and the Lord restored it. I, as I studied this, when I first uh, the Lord first gave me this message, I thought, well, Lord, where are you getting at with this? Where, where are you getting at? So I began to study some words to try to figure out what the Lord was trying to get me to see uh, the verse 22 the very first verse we read says and he cometh to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him so I got to studying into this Bethsaida and the meaning of the name Bethsaida is a place of hunting or fishing I thought, well, what's that got to do with anything? Because everything means something in the Word of God. Everywhere you look, everything you read, every meaning of every name, it all means something in the Word of God. So that sparked my curiosity and I thought, well, what, what does that mean? A place of hunting or fishing? And then the more that I studied into it, uh, Bethsaida is a ruined town in North Israel. So this town is now in ruins. In today's time, this place is in ruins. It no longer exists. And uh, I, I read in another place in Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 20 and 21, uh, it says, Then began he, this is talking about Jesus, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto Chorazin, and woe unto Bethsaida. So this place where this blind man is, this man that had had his vision and now he's lost it, this place that he's at is a place where the works of Jesus, the, uh, Jesus had worked many mighty miracles, yet this place, the people of this town Bethsaida had not repented. This was a place of lost people. This was a place of people that had rejected God. God. This was a place that this blind man should have never been to start with. This blind man, if we look at it through spiritual eyes, he had his vision. And that means that he was right with God. That means that he knew what it was to be a child of God. And this place is a ruined town in North Israel and it's a place that hadn't repented even though they had seen the miracles of God, they still had not repented. So then I thought, you know, it said it's a place of hunting or fishing, I believe that this blind man done just like I done as a teenage boy and he went down into this place of, uh, of unrepented people, this place where the evil works of God, was go the evil works of Satan was going on and they had rejected God and he went right down there where he knew he shouldn't have been. He went hunting for something. He went looking for something. He went hunting and fishing for something to satisfy his soul other than the Lord. He went down there to this place. He knew he shouldn't have been. That's my testimony. That's my testimony. As a, a, a six-year-old little boy, I done told you, got saved riding up Highway 89. I was raised in this church. I'd been around the things of God. My eyes, spiritually speaking, had been opened. I knew what it was to serve God. I knew who God was. But
But yet then when I got up in my teenage years, I decided that wasn't enough. I decided I was going hunting for something. I decided I was going to look for something else to give me pleasure in this life. But can I say, it led me to a place that I never dreamed I would be and my eyes was blinded again. I lost my vision. I got out there in the world and sin began to overtake my life and drugs and alcohol and women and all the things that the God of this world had to offer me. And I ended up in a place where I couldn't even walk around on my own. I ended up in a place where I was blinded and I couldn't see and I couldn't hear God and I couldn't feel God and I was miserable and I thought, Lord, what have I done? And the God of this world blinded me again because I went right where I knew I shouldn't be and I rejected God after he had done made it worked a miracle in my life and saved me give me the best life that I could have had right here at Mount Vernon I couldn't ask for a better life couldn't ask for a better opportunity to serve God I had turned away and went right where I knew I shouldn't go and I ended up blinding again that's some messages on my heart this morning is I've got a fear of being blind again I've got a fear of being blind again. Before I was saved, I was blind. And then the Lord opened my eyes and I ended up right back out in the world and I ended up blind again. I ended up in a place that I couldn't get back to the Lord. I've got a fear of getting there again. I've been in that place and it's a scary, miserable place that I never want to go to again. I've got a fear of getting there because I know that it's still possible that I can. If I decide I don't want to follow the Lord no more, He's not going to force me. If I decide I'd rather live my life for myself than I would live my life for the Lord, He's not going to force me to go to heaven when I die. He ain't going to force me to do anything. Hey, this once saved, always saved crowd is a bunch of malarkey because I can be blind again. I've got to walk after the Lord in order to keep my vision. I'm not doing it. It's Him. It's His uh, power that's done it all to start with. But there's something required of me. There's something required of me is to walk with Him. And He cometh to Bethsaida Verse 22 again, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. I found this interesting. It says that they bring a blind man unto him. At first I thought, well, this must have been the disciples. The disciples must have seen a blind man. And they said, oh, the Lord can heal him. So the the disciples got him and took him to him. But then when more I read it, well, the, the disciples, if Jesus just has come to Bethsaida, the disciples must have been with Jesus. They, they wasn't with this blind man, so whoever this was that brought them to him, it says, and they bring a blind man to him. It must have been the people of Bethsaida. The people of Bethsaida brought this blind man to Jesus. And I thought, well, if this is a town that has rejected God, this is people that have rejected God, they're not spiritual, they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, why would they take Him to Jesus? And I began to think about my life, and I thought about my testimony. And when I was out in sin, I had friends that was lost that I uh, drank and done drugs with, and I had a few that was backslid, and I drank and done drugs with and things. And when we would get to drinking as foolish as it sounds and some of you testified to this before too but as foolish as it sounds when we'd get to drinking apparently I just got under strong conviction and all I wanted to do was talk about the Lord every time I'd get high every time I'd get drunk
drunk, I'd want to talk about the Lord. It wasn't because I was a spiritual man, because I was blinded. I was blinded by sin again. But I, every time I got uh, to a party or we was doing something, getting drunk, I wanted to talk about the Lord. And all my friends that was lost, they would say, you're going to be a preacher one day. And I, and I would think, well, that ain't got nothing to do with me being a preacher one day. It's got to do with I know that I'm wrong and now I'm drunk and I'm trying to have a good time, but I can't because I know where my life is. I know where the goodness of God is. I know where my side is. And it's not in these things that I was doing. And as I, I, the, the, the longer I studied on this message, I thought, you know, I bet this blind man... When he went into Bethsaida, apparently he had his vision. He went into Bethsaida and he lost his vision while he was down there. He lost his vision in that place where he wasn't supposed to be. I bet you he was just like me. I bet every time he'd get drunk, he'd talk about the Lord. I bet every time he'd get high, he'd tell them about Jesus and how that he knew he wasn't living right. And then when they heard that this man that he just kept on talking about was passing by, they probably grabbed a hold of him, took him out there and said, well, here he is. Is this the one you want? Go for him because he didn't fit in he didn't fit in with that crowd I didn't fit in with that crowd I don't fit in in the world I don't fit in in the darkness I don't fit in in the sin and I never will I never will as hard as I wanted to I didn't fit in and every time we was partying I would kill their buzz because I was under such conviction and they got tired of me they got tired of me. I believe if Jesus had passed by, they'd have grabbed a hold of me and took me to where he is at. I believe that's what's happened right here. It said, And they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. Verse 23, And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. You know, the first thing that the Lord will do when you come to him is he'll lead you out of the place that you are. You can't continue in sin and be right with God. You can't continue in the same life that you've always lived and get saved. Hey, when you first come to Jesus, the first thing He's going to do is hold His hand of grace and mercy out and He's going to lead you out of the places that you've always been. He will change your life, but you've got to let Him. The first thing He done here is He led Him out of the town and when He had spit, and when He had spit on His eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw water. I found this weird. I don't know if anybody's ever spit on your eyes. But that sounds pretty gross. I mean, if I was to just walk up and spit on your eyes and rub your eyes and touch you, you'd think I was insane. Yeah. And when I read this, this blind man has said that Jesus spit on his eyes. Well, that first blind man that was blind from his birth has said that Jesus spit on the ground and made clay. And I thought, well, wonder, both, both situations are nasty. I'm like, physically speaking, why would you want this to happen? But as I begin to read in this, and I thought, well, why did the first blind man, Jesus spit on the ground, and this blind man, he spit on his face? This blind man was already the clay. That first blind man, he had been blind from his birth. He had never been made the clay. I'm the clay. He's the potter. He's molding and mending me. That first blind man, Jesus had to make him the clay. But this second man was already the clay. And he just needed a touch from God to be able to mold him and form him and back into what Jesus wanted him to be. That thrilled my soul. I don't guess it did y'all like it did me. That thrills me to death. This man was already the clay. He had already been right. He didn't have to make him clay again. He just had to spit on him and reform him. 
That's what He done to me. He reformed my life. He changed me and made me back to what He wanted me to be. There's still some imperfections. Can I say this? There's still some imperfections and some things that is in my life and some doors that I opened in my mind that I can never go back from. There's things when I lay down at night and things when I'm by myself in my truck riding down the road that will pop in my mind. And if I had never opened them doors in my life, they wouldn't be there. So I'm not exactly like I was before. Before I went back to sin, the Lord didn't restore me all the way back to the way I was because there's some imperfections in the clay. There's some things that I wish that I could take back because it makes it harder for me to serve God. It makes it more of a fight for me to fight off my flesh to serve God because of those things that are right in here. Images of things that I've done. Images of places that I've been. Drugs that I've smoked. Things that I've snorted. The way i felt. The things I've seen. They're right in here. I'm telling you this morning, don't go that way. Don't go that way. Even if the Lord is gracious to you like He was to Eutychus there when Eutychus fell out of the window a couple weeks ago, the Lord was gracious to him, but Eutychus would never be the same. Something had changed and there's things that have changed in me. And I thank God that He let me come back and He brought me back and molded me back to what He wanted me to be. But boy, I wish I'd never done it to start with. I wish I'd never done it to start with. You know, I've never seen or heard a backslidden Christian say, boy, I'm glad I backslid. Not the first time. I've never heard a drug addict say, boy, I'm glad I started smoking dope. I'm glad I got high that first time. I've never heard a single drug addict say that. I've never heard somebody that's addicted to pornography say, boy, I'm glad I watched it that first time. Not none of them. None of them have. They say, I wish that I'd never went down that way because once you open the door, you can't come back from it. You can't come back from it. Them doors are just there. That ain't part of the message. I was just added in. <clears throat> Read 23 again. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands, on him again, put his hands again upon him and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Now, I found this weird too. That first blind man, he'd been blind from birth. When the Lord touched him, he just said, go to the pool of Siloam. He only had to touch him one time, and it was great. His eyes was open. But this blind man, he touched him one time and said he looked up and seen men as trees walking. That's just more proof he'd had his vision before because he knew what men looked like, he knew what trees looked like, and he knew what walking looked like. But when he touched him his first time, his vision wasn't fully restored. And I thought, well, the Lord has the power. The Lord could have touched, the Lord could have just said the words. The Lord could have just thought it. And this man's vision could have been fully restored. Uh, he could have had 2015 vision. He could have had better vision than he's ever had before. But for some reason, the Lord touched him twice to fully restore it. There again, I begin to think about my own testimony. And nearly 11 years, April, April, May. May will be 11 years that I've been back in church and I've been trying to serve God. And since the Lord touched me again and uh, uh, reformed me, remade me into what He wants me to be. And I thought about when I first got back in church, it wasn't like when I got saved. 
When I got saved, man, everything was great. I'll never forget when I, when I first got saved, it was a Wednesday evening on my way home from school. And when we come to church, I was asking Randy Stewart, I know, and maybe two or three more if they would help baptize me. I was excited about what the Lord had done. When your eyes are open and you get saved the first time and the Lord lives in you, as a six-year-old boy, I was excited. But even as a 20, 30, 40, 50-year-old, if you get saved, you're going to be excited about what just happened to you. There's an internal change that you know had to happen from on high you didn't do it it was God and when I got saved that's the way it was I was thrilled to death I was so excited that I got saved and daddy eventually told me he said hey you got two grandpas that are preachers and I'm your daddy so we three gonna baptize you quit asking people and I was like alright sorry hadn't really thought about it I was just a young boy but then when I got back in church and I rededicated and then I got back in the straight and narrow that, it wasn't like that the excitement wasn't there like that and it was a struggle. And it was a battle. And there was some things that I had to prove. There was some proving grounds. There was some time that when the, the, the Lord touched me. When I got things right, the Lord touched me and the drugs went away. And, and, and all the things that I was clinging on to went away. I even moved out of my house and went back to mom and dad's because all the druggies and everybody come to my house to party. I didn't go to them, they come to me. So I went back to mom and dad's house just to get away from it all. And uh, I mean, I got clean and things was better, but it just wasn't the same. Just wasn't the same as it was that first time. It took another touch. It took another touch. It took a little while of me showing the Lord that I'm going to serve you. Showing the Lord that I'm going to walk for you. I'm not going back in that way no more. No matter what it takes, I'm going to serve you. And it wasn't long before the Lord touched me again. And it began to work in my life. And I began to feel the Spirit of God again. I believe that's where this young man was. He had to be touched twice. There was some proven grounds. There was some proven time. Verse 26. And he sent him away to go to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. And I thought, well, why? And I know that Jesus didn't want everybody to know who he was because his time to be crucified wasn't here yet. But I thought, why would Jesus... He just worked a miracle in this man's life. Why would Jesus not want this young man to go back into Bethsaida and say, Hey, look at what the Lord done for me. Look at what Jesus done for me. And again, I thought about my own life. And I thought about when he first pulled me back out. I couldn't go to them same places and testify to them people. I couldn't go to them places that the Lord had led me out of and witness to them. I had no business being there because that sin would overtake me. I wasn't strong. I hadn't been built up enough. I had no business going back to them same places, at least for a while. And then when I got older in the Lord, I got more mature. Maybe I could take somebody with me and go down there. But I had no business being back in them places. This message, I'll tell you, and I think I actually began to teach a little bit of it in Sunday school before I started preaching. This was about two weeks before I started preaching. This happened. And uh, I woke up. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning. I woke up in the middle of the night. And uh, when I woke up, I had this feeling, this, this fear it was a natural fear. I just woke up. I've never done this before. I woke up terrified that I was going to lose my sight. I woke up terrified that I was going to lose my physical sight. I mean, I was scared to death. I woke up just shaking and trembling. I don't know if I was dreaming and woke up or the Lord woke me up and He put this on me, but I know it was God. 
And I woke up and I was so scared that I was physically going to lose my vision. And the first thing I'd done was thought, Lord, what have I done? Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for my sin. Whatever I've done, Lord, please don't take my vision. That's the first thing I started doing. And then the longer I laid there, I thought, no, there's something here. I looked at the clock and it was right at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I probably laid there for another hour and a half just trying to figure out what the Lord was trying to tell me. And I thought, you know, back when I backslid, I lost my vision spiritually. And now that I've got my vision back, that same fear that I woke up with in the middle of the night, I should have that same fear today of spiritually being blinded again. That same fear should be in me. I should be just trembling inside because I don't want to go back there. I want to serve God. Everybody close your eyes. Just everybody close your eyes for a minute. Now I want you to think about if you had to get up and walk out the back door, how hard would that be? If you've had your vision before, to get up from your seat, go to your car, and then somehow make your way home, you can't drive, you're blind. That's terrifying. That's terrifying to think of. You can open your eyes. But that's terrifying to think of that once you've had your vision, if you lost it, how awful it would be to try to get around. You know that first blind man, he had never had his vision, so it wasn't that bad. He didn't understand what it was to have his vision. But this blind man that had had his vision, knowing what it was to be able to see, the fact that he couldn't see again was terrifying. That's the state I was in when I was backslid on God, living in a single wide trailer, smoking dope every day, scared to death I was going to die and go to hell. I was terrified because I knew what it was to see. I knew what it was to serve God. And I wanted to get back so badly. I thank God He was gracious enough to bring me back, but He didn't have to. But do I have that same fear today of going back to that place? We need to be fearful. We need to be scared, worried to death. I don't want to go back there. The fear should be so great that it drives us to serve God every minute of every day. There should be a fear of being blind again. I'm going to go one more place. 2 Peter chapter 1. We've read here many times. I love this scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, we'll just start verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of the Lord of Jesus our Lord. And it says, to those that have obtained like precious faith. So that's the Christians. That's those that have had our vision. Those that have been born again. Verse number 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse number 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So from the moment your eyes are opened, there's only moving forward. There's something to add to our faith. And if I've said this many times, but if we're sitting still, we're going backwards. 
If we're not adding to our faith daily, we're going backwards. You can't sit still as a Christian. You can't just be satisfied with where you're at. You have to move forward. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. I've wrote down some definitions for these. Uh, Diligence is constant effort. Being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus requires constant effort. Virtue, moral excellence. So we got to have constant effort to achieve moral excellency. I've already told you that I've tried my best to live right. And year by year and day by day, I do live a little better every day. I'm not sinless, but I sin less. Every single day, I sin less than I did yesterday. And next week, I'm going to sin less next week than I did this week. It's constant effort to live morally excellent. Knowledge. Knowledge is the knowledge of God. We should be growing in the knowledge of God. Temperance is habitual Moderation in everything we do. Habitual moderation. Patience. Uh, The suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation, or other evil with a calm, unruffled temper. Endurance without murmuring or fretfulness. That hit all over my toes. I'm patient, but I'm going to complain about it. I'm patient, but I'm going to murmur about it while I wait. That ain't patience. we got to be patient without murmuring. Godliness. A godly life, a careful observance of the laws of God and performance of His duties proceeding from love and reverence. Godliness, being more like God. Every day, give all diligence, give constant effort to add these things to your faith. Brotherly kindness is kindness to one another. I am less kind to my church members and my fellow brothers and sisters sometimes than I am a lost man. Brotherly kindness one to another. We should be kinder to each other than we are anybody. We should be kind to everybody, but give more diligence to be kind to one another because we're on the same team. We're on the winning side. I'm on the one, the side that's going to win. At the end, I'm going to heaven. Brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness, charity. That's just love. And I like what it says here in verse number 8. It says, For if these things be in you and abound, not just a little bit, Not just some of these things, but in you and abound. That is to possess in great quantity. How many of us, those seven, eight things I just mentioned, have those in great quantity? We're supposed to give all diligence to have them. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen here. This is the whole message. winds up in this verse. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. We can be blind again. If we don't give all diligence to add these things to our faith, we can be blind again. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. We can forget where the Lord delivered us from. We can forget what it is to see. We can forget the goodness of God. Add these things to your faith. All diligence. i got a fear of being blind again. I don't want to go back there. 
I've been blinded again and it's an awful, awful place. And I don't want to be there. I thank God that I'm saved and my eyes are open and I'm right with Him. I ain't perfect and I ain't sinless, but I do sin less than I did. And I'm doing the best I can to serve God. That's what's required of us. Amen. Tommy, you come on. Let's all stand.